I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. This is the Dharma Realm Podcast for November 20th, 2009. Today's episode is part three from our live podcast recorded October 2nd, in which we have audience questions, including a possible Shin Buddhist stance on abortion and some of the issues of Shinjin. You got a question. <laughs> no question? Oh, there goes the microphone. <laughs> What's Shin Buddhist stance on aborted fetuses? That is a difficult question. You had to I, ask her. Uh, yeah, I totally got it around, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Harry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're... I, I, I mean, couldn't... I, yeah, I think I could, I could uh, ramble on about a general Japanese Buddhist response to aborted fetuses um, and the various rituals that go in uh, into protecting aborted fetuses and ensuring that they... That they're given a Dharma name, right? And, and ensuring that they go to the Pure Land and all of that... Um, by I don't, but that's about as much as I could do on that one. Hmm. I could ramble on my own personal opinions about abortion, but I don't know if anybody wants to hear that. <laughs> Harry? <laughs> well, yeah, me too. I don't think, I mean, I think that like Mizuko Kuyo, the, the, the rituals done um, for aborted fetuses, I think are, are not done for, by Nishi Honganji. That Nishi Honganji doesn't do those rituals. And I don't know exactly why, but I think part of it is because they don't want to be mercenary about it, right? And that, but also the, the I mean, that begins, that brings out the issue. So there's this idea in, in Japan of mizuko kuyo, mizuko, right? Water child kind of, right? And kuyo is ritual. So that when, when there's an abortion, that um, maybe from one Buddhist point of view, that fetus, assuming that life begins at conception was another life, and then when it gets aborted, that that life has ended, and they've never been able to hear the Dharma, right? They've never been um, um, exposed to that, and so they may have an unfortunate rebirth. They might become a ghost. I mean, it does, it's not only Buddhist doctrine. There's also cultural stuff, right? And so in order to uh, help that being that you, you have to do or you should do a musical kuyo, you should do this ritual in order to uh, give them, get them to a better rebirth or quiet them down or whatever. I don't know exactly. But that, but that, that, also, that ritual is also done for stillborn fetuses or miscarried, child, uh, miscarried okay. fetuses right. as well. Right. So, so any, any um, yeah. baby that wasn't able to become Buddhist somehow or something, right? Um, I think that Shinshu, I mean, that then brings up the efficacy of ritual, right? And so that, uh, you know, someone saying, yeah, I can help. I have the spiritual power. I have the, this ritual, if we can do this ritual, we will change things, right? We will um, make it possible for this uh, um, fetus to, to not be, have a lower rebirth or whatever. And I think that the Shinshu approach to ritual is different. Right? And that um, Shinshu doesn't look at our rituals as, as us being able to generate the merit, generate the spiritual power to change things. 
It'd be great if we could, I think, and if we could, we would do it. Uh, but Shinshu, I mean, and that comes to um, Shinran's approach to ritual, I think, and we can see even when um, there's a story. And we didn't know this. There's a lot about um, Shinshu ritual, I think, that we don't know. We don't know um, what people were doing on the ground, like Shinran, what he was doing. We have clues, but we don't have someone drawing pictures of him chanting and they wrote, you know, the sutra title on the, in the picture or something. We don't have people reporting about uh, Shinran's ritual practice. But we do have letters uh, and uh, letters from Eshinni, right, to her daughter. And uh, there's one of those letters. She talks about how when Shinran was sick and... Uh, during his sickness, he was bedridden, and he began reciting the Pure Land Sutras, the larger sutra, you know, Amida Sutra, Contemplation Sutra, and he was going to recite them a thousand times for the benefit of beings. And then he, like, kind of woke up suddenly and, and said, I forget, we'll give you the reference, but, you know, he just kind of woke up realizing, nope, this is wrong. I shouldn't, I, I can't, I don't, I don't have the text in front of me, but basically recognizing that... Um, he couldn't activate the power of ritual to change the world. He couldn't. He didn't have the spiritual power uh, to, to for those rituals to be effective. And he realized instead that the point was to attain shinjin and teach it to others. I mean, that's what he says: jishin kyonin shin, right? Attain shinjin for yourself and teach it to others. To to live his life uh, in accord with Amida's vow to entrust in the Buddha and to teach that to others. Right? And so I think we can see that, um, I mean, to me, that the musical Kuyo strikes me as, um, on one level, as kind of instrumental, right? By doing this ritual, we can change the spiritual path of this um, unborn fetus or whatever. Um, I think there's other interpretations you could do on, on that, um, but that's not so much the question. Then the question becomes... I mean, if we're going to talk about reincarnation, if we're going to talk about um, spirits and ghosts and that kind of thing, then we really don't know, right? We can, we can imagine and we can say, well, the text says this, and so it must be that way, but uh, it's not something we can approach objectively, I don't think. Some texts would say, yeah, if there was blue light and purple clouds and that kind of thing, then yeah, it went well. Right? Objectively, we've been given some uh, feedback. We've been given some evidence that it worked. But uh, I personally think that it's not an, it looks like an objective system. When we read the sutras and we read like the Abhidharma stuff and you know, all this very detailed stuff about 49 days for the, you know, for the, um, the, the whatever that being was to, um, to be reincarnated 49 days later and you know and it looks very rational and it looks very uh, uh, objective uh, but I think Shinshu is uh, more uh, careful about adopting that so Shinjin could come up here right does this person have Shinjin or not right do they have Shinjin are they, uh, you know, can I, I'm condemning them, but I can't condemn them because maybe they have, you know, just, Shinjin isn't something that we can look at objectively. There's no, like, stamp or some symbol that appears on your arm or something when, when you have it, right? That, that it is very subjective. And so I would think as well that in terms of, um, you know, the, 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 um, spiritual status of a fetus or something like that, I don't think that that would be the approach that Shinshu would take. Um, 
I would think that um, it would be more the life and the decisions and all the context of what that person had to go through, the mother and the, or the parents, right, and the, the, the family, you know, and looking at that and um, looking for uh, the most compassionate and healthy decisions possible within those contexts. Um, I mean, there's also an issue, maybe we can kind of bounce off of that, and that's that it seems like, I mean, I know a lot of um, Shinshu Buddhists reject reincarnation, um, personally, I don't see it on the surface. I think that the system seems to work with an understanding that reincarnation happens, right? And that we do get reincarnated and that this is not a happy or easy thing. It's a very difficult thing, right? To be reincarnated over and over and over again. Um, then Shinjin, right? Uh, if you attain Shinjin, then you, don't, you won't be reincarnated anymore, right? You're assured of birth in the pure land. So you have cut off the, the, um, that cycle of reincarnation. But then you could read it then, but then if, I, if someone doesn't have Shinjin, then aren't they going to be reincarnated again? Right? Are some people, re- some people have it, some people don't? Is that so- something we have to... We don't talk about it that way here so much, but I've heard about it talk more like that um, a little bit in Japan. And one response I've heard to that is that you don't even need Shinjin. You don't even need to say the Nembutsu. You don't even have to encounter the Dharma. Amida's compassion is unlimited. Amida's compassion is unimpeded, right? So that all beings will attain birth in the Pure Land, no matter what. Just really interesting uh, interpretation, I think. I don't know if if you've heard it that much. Um, It doesn't really come up that much, but it's interesting, right? So that, um, and then as a minister, right? I mean, I think that birth in the pure land and that that whole, this kind of comes back to our original question, right? Birth in the pure land is a really important part of the uh, system, right? And it's an important part of the religion. Um, But when you're ministering to people, if someone's died, then we don't talk in those terms, right? Um, And you wouldn't say, well, you know, were there purple clouds when they died, (laughs) right? You wouldn't say, um, do you think they got Shinjin, right? I mean, that's not, it's not even really appropriate, right? Um, I think sometimes when we're in classroom or, or, you know, on the internet or whatever, intellectualizing about it, we may think about things like that. But it's, it's kind of an interesting issue. And if, if you're more um, used to talking in those terms and then something happens like that, I think it can become kind of an issue. So, yeah, does the aborted fetus get born in the pure land? I don't know. Um, but I do think that this idea of, I don't know about Amida, all people are born in the Pure Land no matter what they do. I don't think, I, there's something a little wrong with, there with me because then it's, it's almost like, well, nothing has to change. Yeah. My life can suck, but apparently I'm going to be born in the Pure Land no matter what happens, so okay, whatever. Right? I, I think that there, there is some kind of turning, right? the change and, and some kind of transformation that happens. And yet, it's interesting too to think about Amida's compassion in that way, right? that that. Amida's compassion is working, you know, and so maybe one possible answer would be um, maybe, you know, that we can think that maybe the fetus has been born in the Pure Land, right, that they are aggressed. They've, they didn't, weren't given the circumstances even to, to have any kind of choice whatsoever, right, so that maybe, but Amida, I think, would grasp that being just as much as any other. Oh, we, we have got another question. question. Um, Michael. Michael. Do you think us defiled human beings can really attain Shinji? Oh. Alive? Can I repeat the question? Do you want to repeat the question or should I repeat it so we get it you on tape? It. I'll repeat it. 
um, um, do we think that we defiled human beings can possibly attain Shinjin while we're alive? While we're alive? In this, in this, okay. Hmm. Good question. That is a good question. <laughs> um, if you come out and say, I have, you know, attained the true faith, mm -hmm. I don't think they have. Mm -hmm. That a person who really has probably wouldn't know it and wouldn't be coming out and saying, right. you know, I don't know. Interesting. But do you think it's possible? Um, right, because there is that aspect yeah. of um, if you say you have Shinjin, that means you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. No, but that's a definite school. Yeah. Right? I, I find myself wanting to be in that school. <laughs> <laughs> I find myself leaning in that direction of, of if you really have Shinjin, you don't walk around talking about it. Um, and then if you if you do have it, would you know about it? Yeah, and I think that's the other the real. I think that's the real. I think that's the important question. Is that to me it raises that issue of well, what does Shinjin mean? What what is the experience of Shinjin? How do we talk about it? Is it this transformative enlightenment moment, and and you can point to like a particular time on a particular day, and you're like that you know at twelve thirty seven a.m. on March thirty second. March 32nd? March 31st. <laughs> 2009, that's when I had Shinjin, and you know, after that moment, everything was different. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it also seems to me like maybe, um, maybe we can't even know if we've gotten Shinjin or if we've attained it hmm. um, because we're defiled, you know, because we're these bumbling, foolish human beings that even if we happen to attain Shenzhen, we wouldn't know it because we're too deluded to recognize it. Um, maybe. I, you know, I think that's an, something to consider. I, um, I certainly don't think I've attained Shenzhen. <laughs> um, but I also feel like there might be an element of um, uh, that Shenzhen is not necessarily a particular moment wherein everything changes, but it's more of a, a process. Um, if we look at it in a different way and say, well, you kind of gradually come to a deeper appreciation or deeper understanding or a deeper hearing of Amita's, uh, of, of Amita's name, um, a deeper sense of gratitude, a deeper sense of, of, of however you want to conceptualize it. Um, and maybe that did start on March 32nd, <laughs> um, but it didn't end there Be either. Did. For me, it did. Yeah, that was a great day. <laughs> um, but that it's a process and that over time it, it becomes more deeper is one way of saying it. Um, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a great question. Um, but I, but I sort of I think that might that might be part of it, and and part of this too I think comes from Shinron's own story, right? I mean, I think a lot of people assume Shinron had Shinjin. Um, I, I can't imagine that we would think that Shinron didn't have Shinjin, right? That would be kind of strange that the founder of our tradition does not himself have the experience that he wants us to have. That would just seem a little incongruous to me. Um, but at the same time, like Harry was saying earlier, we can recognize these moments in his life when he tried to chant the sutras, and then he woke up one, one evening and was like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that, which says to me that Shinran himself sort of went through this process of learning more about the tradition, even after he purportedly had this important moment in his life. And you know, So I think that we can look at Buddhism not in terms of 
you know, there is this moment and then afterwards everything's different, but rather there's a moment, things change, and then there's another moment, and then there's another moment and another moment. Um, which then leaves open the possibility that throughout that entire process, we're still deluded, irrational, defiled, messed up human beings, um, and we're just sort of slowly, gradually coming to a deeper understanding. Does that, I'm dancing around lots of issues. Harry? <laughs> well, um, I mean, it, it's an excellent question and it brings, there's a lot of different sides we could approach it from. Um, one thing that immediately pops into my mind uh, is that uh, I was able to study with uh, a minister who I think many people felt had, had, did have Shinjin. Uh, it was Kusada Sensei, uh, Reverend Haruyoshi Kusada. And um, many people, uh, I think, just kind of generally considered him to be someone that had attained Shinjin. And people yeah, yeah. would even call him, uh, refer to him, I guess, as the saint. <laughs> I mean, that they, they um, and this was part of their relationship with him, and, you know, that um, they really looked up to him. And so one, I had another a friend who, um, it was really interesting because he said, you know, Kusada Sensei, he might have Shinjin, um, but I couldn't possibly. I couldn't be like that. I couldn't be humble. I couldn't, you know, just very much feeling like Kusada Sensei is something special, right? And that um, the rest, you know, that I couldn't be like that. Um, but I couldn't disagree more. I think that the whole point is that you don't have to be special to get Shinjin. I mean, I think that that's a really important um, aspect of it, that if, if you had to be a special person like person A or person X, then it wouldn't be Shinshu anymore. Right? Then it would be yeah, yeah. Buddhism of the saints, and it would only be certain special people. Um, and so I th one answer I would give is that I think, yes, people, um, well, from a doctrinal point of view, absolutely, these we foolish beings should, are capable of attaining Shinjin. Because it's not about me. It's not about my abilities. It's coming from Amida. I mean, that's part of it, right? That it's not about me being special. It's not about me being a special person or a good person. Um, so, so that's one answer I would give. Yes, foolish beings can attain Shinjin and probably do, hopefully do. I think they do. <laughs> um, but then there's another side then of could I attain it? Will I know? Would I know? Did I? Will I? Kind of thing, you know. And um, to me, I think it's, it's kind of like, um, like being in love. <laughs> you know, if you say... You know, there's, there's definitely like a feeling you get when you're, you know, um, in love with someone. Uh, but if you then say later on, you're like, oh, I'm so in love. I'm so in love with this person. Love is great. This is what being in love is about. Then you're not interacting with the other person. You're like intellectualizing about it. You're thinking about what does it mean to be in love, right? And you've, you've kind of solidified it. You've objectified it and turned what is a relationship, what is a process into a concept, I'm in love. And I think maybe Shinjin is similar, right? That, that if you're sitting there thinking, do I have Shinjin? Can I look to a certain time or like, kind of like you said, or, or do I act in a certain way or can I identify that, that I have Shinjin? Then I think, or say, I have Shinjin, then it's turned into an idea. It's turned into a concept. It's no longer um, living. It's just thinking about something. You know, and so that, so that I think, yeah, Shinjin isn't something that is, is um, to be conceptualized or to be grasped. 
If you're saying, I have Shinjin, or do I have Shinjin, then you're attaching to ideas and concepts. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask a question. I don't, sometimes I worry that when we say, you know, if you say you have Shinjin, then you don't, turns into we can't talk about it, turns into we shouldn't talk about it. I almost feel like sometimes it's turned into a taboo to even talk about it. Um, and I don't want that to happen. I don't think that, that um, is, that's an extreme. Maybe there has to be a kind of a middle way um, of, of talking about Shinjin, right? That where we can't, we, we should talk about it to a certain extent. I think Shinran does talk about it in a way. Renyo talks about it. We can look um, to other people or whatever, um, or we can look to our own experiences, but also recognizing that we shouldn't, it can't only be that. It has to be um, in my life. And then if it is in my life, then I think it's involved in a period, in a, in a, um, a process of self-reflection Right? And living and doing things and being around people and helping people and being selfish and um, whatever. But that the self-reflection going on and uh, maybe even realizing, I think sometimes Shinshu gets called a Buddhism of failure. <laughs> right? Have you ever heard that? Shinshu is a Buddhism of failure. No self-power. You can't do it. It's impossible to be compassionate. Right? It's, 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 if it's self-power, then it's bad. You can't possibly attain enlightenment. You can't possibly do that. It all has to come from, from Amida. So you're a foolish being, evil being, right? All these terms we have, right? So, but in a way, I think there is something to that because the point isn't, to me, isn't to say, I'm going to go out and do all these good deeds and then be able to say, I, was a, I did Buddha activity. I did Bodhisattva activity. I'm great. Right? It seems like there's more of a, 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 a um, trend or, or uh, more of a feeling of, wow, you know, maybe I thought I was being compassionate, but if I think about it, it was self-motivated. Or maybe it was self-motivated. Oh my gosh, I've, but that's part of the process, to see when the ego was working, to see, aha, uh-huh, that was my anger coming up, that I was actually angry then. It wasn't, there wasn't anything... It wasn't as great as I thought it was and you know, when I was doing it, you know, on reflection I realized, wow, that was other stuff kind of churning away. And then to see, aha, uh-huh, now I've been able to see more about myself. I've been given insight into myself. Uh, and so seeing and, and then Shinju I think would say it's not only you reflecting on that, right? It's the light of Amida. It's like in in connection with um, the light and the the practice and Nembutsu, uh, that one is given glimpses into oneself. Right, maybe giving glimpses of Dharma reality, of Buddha reality, right? And I think that process um, is maybe part of the life of a practitioner, maybe a life of a life of Shinjin, yeah. But it is hard to talk about, yeah. It's, and, and and I think that it's that trying to objectify it again, right? It's not an objective thing. It's not something we have our Shinjin camera, and if I shine it on people, it's like it turns green if they have Shinjin, and it's red if they don't, right? It's not like that. It has to be your own life, right? It has to be your own uh, life and practice and uh, existence and, and, and that process.